Welcome to RV Out West. I'm your host, Brooks. My family of four's base camp is located in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and our RV adventures radiate from there. I'm relatively new to RVing, and a few years ago, I convinced my wife that for an anniversary present, we should buy a used tent trailer from some friends of ours. Ever since then, we have fallen head over heels for the RV life, and we now find ourselves towing a 26-foot Jayco travel trailer. So grab yourself a mug of coffee and join us as we discuss RVing around the West. From sweet camping spots, gear and equipment, to tips and tricks, we've got you covered. We are RV Out West. This past summer, through a spontaneous decision and a little bit of lady luck, we ended up visiting Yellowstone National Park. I'm going to share with you how we made it to Yellowstone and the places we visited within the park, as well as outside of the park, from places to see, where to eat, and where we stayed. Yellowstone National Park has always been a bit elusive for me. On any of my previous routes crisscrossing this beautiful country, I'd never quite made it to that corner of Montana and Wyoming, yet I'd always wanted to see it. Finally, we made it happen, and I was able to experience it for the first time with my wife and my children, and that just made it so special. We ended up in Yellowstone because one morning my wife and I were having a cup of coffee in Glacier National Park. We were currently uh, camped at the east side of Glacier National Park. And it was during that coffee that my wife had turned to me and said, you know, we've been here like 10 days and we've seen a lot of Glacier National Park. And to be this close to Yellowstone and not see it would be a shame. I turned to her and I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Let us see just what we can do. And so through a little bit of spontaneity, uh, we started doing some research and trying to find some places to camp in and around uh, Yellowstone and made a few phone calls, started with all of the KOAs. There just happens to be two KOAs uh, within a couple miles of each other. So the conversations typically started like this. I'm just going to ask because I've always been taught it never hurts to ask. But what are the odds that you have any availability? Most of the time, they're like, yeah, sorry, we don't have any availability. You're out of luck. And thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Have a great day. But on this one instance, I called the Mountainside KOA in West Yellowstone. And I said the same thing. Hey, good morning. Uh, you know, never hurts to ask, so I'm just going to ask. But what are the odds that you have any availability for a campsite? And the gentleman that I spoke to said, well, when are you thinking? I said, I don't know, like today for the next five days. And he said, you're in luck. We just had a cancellation. It's yours. And I gave him our credit card number over the you know, phone to secure the spot. And I said, great, we're going to break camp and we're going to be there in about six hours. We'll see you in a little bit. And so the lesson from all of that is that, you know, sometimes it does it works out. Just you got to ask the questions and, and don't go with any of your own preconceived ideas about, hey, it's July, it's Yellowstone, it's going to be booked. You just never know. And so to take a few minutes of your own time, make some phone calls and see how it works. Uh, the moral of the story is that you can find last minute reservations in and around highly sought after destinations that people plan years in advance to go to. According to the Department of Interior website on Yellowstone National Park, Yellowstone was born on March 1st, 1872, making it the world's first national park, 
When President Ulysses S. Grant signed the Yellowstone National Park Protection Act into law, it protected more than 2 million acres of mountain wilderness, amazing geysers, and vibrant landscapes for future generations to enjoy. Human history in the region goes back more than 11,000 years. The earliest intact archaeological deposits in the park were discovered at a site on the shore of Yellowstone Lake. The first American to explore the area was John Coulter, a veteran of the Lewis and Clark expedition. After years in the wilderness, Coulter began to tell others of the area's incredible geothermic activity. Few believed these fantastic stories, and they mocked the region, calling it Coulter's Hell. It's true. Yellowstone is a supervolcano. It's one of the world's largest active volcanoes that lies beneath Yellowstone. The first major eruption of the Yellowstone volcano occurred 2.1 million years ago and covered more than 5,790 square miles with ash. That's among the largest volcano eruptions known and marks Yellowstone as a supervolcano, which is a term used to describe any volcano with an eruption of more than 240 cubic miles of magma. While the volcano is still active, it's been about 70,000 years since the last lava flow. Yellowstone National Park preserves more than 10,000 hydrothermal features, an extraordinary collection of hot springs, mud spots, fermaroles, travertine terraces, and of course, geysers. Microorganisms called thermophiles, meaning heat-loving, live in these features and give the park its brilliant colors. Our first day in the park, we visited Old Faithful Geyser. This is by far one of the most iconic national park features in our entire national park system. Is it touristy? Yes, it's busy, but it's still so much worth the stop to visit to see and explore it for yourself. There are public benches that rim the edge of the geyser, but with the visitor center to the, your back, if you take a short five-minute jaunt along the boardwalk to the right, you can round a corner and get a great unobstructed view of the geyser. Witnessing the geyser do its thing is simply amazing. I would encourage you all to not skip this. In fact, it was one of the first things we did as we were getting a lay of the land of this national park. We visited the visitor center, signed up for the junior ranger program at the park, walked through the exhibits inside the visitor center to learn more about this park before heading out to see Old Faithful. Anemone Geyser. A series of two geysers that compete for eruptions as well as oftentimes work in concert together. A local park ranger suggested that we take the walk out along the boardwalk to check out this geyser. Located on the boardwalk near Old Faithful, we set out to go find it. On this path, there are actually five different geysers, all with unique features and distinct character. It is worth the walk. Grand Prismatic Spring Located at Midway Geyser Basin is the most photographed thermal feature in Yellowstone. That's because of its crazy bright colors and enormous size. The diameter of this spring is larger than the entire length of a football field. It is massive. Extremely hot water travels 121 feet from the crack in the earth to the surface, making this spring deeper than a 10-story building. We visited Grand Prismatic and its neighboring springs in the evening during what photographers call magic light or the golden hour. Time stood still for us as we took in all the natural beauty that surrounded us. Even the neighboring opal pool, much smaller in scale, was mesmerizing. We visited during July, and while it was early for wildfires, there was a wildfire raging in Montana, 
and so the sky was filled with ash, and the sun had that orange glow, making it a very surreal experience. Getting here, we tried in the middle of the day, and the road was backed up for miles. It took us at least an hour to get from the west entrance to the parking lot. But with everyone trying to go into the parking lot, we bailed and figured we would come back at another time. Traffic in this park is no joke. It can be very brutal at times. I would say the weekends are bad, but that's not true. Midday on a Tuesday was worse for us than on a Saturday. That, that could have been an anomaly for us, but be sure to bring your cooler and your vehicle with snacks, drinks, and perhaps have some books or games to play to keep everyone occupied while you creep through the park. With that said, the best time to visit. My wife had the brilliant idea to go into the park at 6.30 p.m. just prior to the west entrance closure. We ate dinner in our trailer and then packed up our binos, our cameras, and some drinks and took off for the park just an hour or two prior to dusk. Visiting the park at this time of day, most of the traffic was leaving the park, and so it was way less crowded. Plus, all of the animals were out feeding in the open fields, and we saw bison and elk and the elusive Yellowstone gray wolf. This Yellowstone gray wolf was trying to put on a spot and stock on a small herd of cow elk that was with their calves. Our turnaround point for this excursion was the Midway Geyser Basin and the Grand Prismatic Spring. We came back because we wanted to see it. To be able to see these springs during the magic light was incredible, and as I had previously mentioned. The town of West Yellowstone is a great place to stop and visit after a day in the park. If the term meat sweats means anything to you, then you know what good barbecue is. Firehole Barbecue, located in the town of West Yellowstone, is a gem of a joint. I've eaten barbecue in Texas, St. Louis, South Carolina, and in Memphis, and this place stacks up with the best of them. We went a little nuts ordering lunch. I ordered a three-quarter pound of brisket, my nine-year-old son got a rack of ribs, my wife had the brisket sandwich, and my daughter nibbled on a little bit of everything. The barbecue here is 100% worth the stop. I ate all of my brisket, split the rack of ribs with my son, and dug into the sides that they had from mac and cheese, corn salad, pork and beans made from the drippings in the pit to their coleslaw. I did my best to eat my body weight in barbecue, so much so that we didn't even really eat a dinner that night as we were all still digesting our lunch. <laughs> this is a must-stop, in my opinion. The Buffalo Bar What attracted us to this restaurant was the name and the lineup outside. In our opinion, when you see a line, it typically means that there is a reason and it is worth checking out. The interior decor is fun, and this is your casual dining place and a great way to cap off a full day inside the park. Their bar patio is kid-friendly, and while we waited for our table inside, my wife and I had a cocktail, and we played cornhole with the kids while we waited. There was live music on the patio, so I even was able to sneak in a dance or two with my daughter. It's a fun and lively atmosphere, and we had a great time. When you find yourself in the American West, a rodeo should also be at the top of your list. Located on Targi Pass Highway, about three-quarters of a mile east of the mountainside KOA, is a great family show that we visited, the West Yellowstone Rodeo. This rodeo puts on a show for about an hour, and they cover it all, from 
bucking broncs to roping to barrel runs and bull riding. It was a fun way to experience the American West, and in between some of the events, they even put on audience participation, kid-friendly events that were so much fun for our kids. To see a group of kids chase a single calf with a bow on its tail to try and grab the, the bow off the calf tail is oh, it's awesome. If you're looking for something to do in the evening, this is worthy of a consideration. We do recommend that you buy tickets in advance online. It just makes things a little bit easier, but it is not necessary. As I have mentioned previously, we stayed at the Mountainside KOA, which is located about eight and a half miles from the west entrance of Yellowstone National Park. This is where we locked into our five-night stay. This Mountainside KOA does not have a pool, which at first we were disappointed with, but that was prior to our arrival. And honestly, once we got there, it didn't matter to us. We were having so much fun exploring the area that the pool didn't even become an issue, or the lack thereof. This KOA was super friendly, provided a great experience, and had a playground for the kids to go play on, a canine park for our new puppy, Boston Terrier Penelope, and the kids were even able to sluice for minerals in their outdoor mining operation. If you're looking for a place to book for next summer, this should be on your list. And in fact, I'd even suggest you look at making reservations right now for next year if Yellowstone National Park is on your destination list. Being RVers, it is important to plan to um, you know, have a schedule so you know where you're going, especially if you have a large trailer and you need to find a place to park it. But also, remain flexible. Be spontaneous. You might surprise yourself with what you can find and what you can do with a little bit of luck, a few phone calls. You can explore and find places. So I would encourage you all to not be so rigid in your planning and to if things um during a trip are you know i don't know maybe you're um, feeling like you've seen it and you still have a bunch more days left to go and you're just or whatever whatever your reasonings might be you know take out a map or look online and what are other places within the area that you can go explore that maybe were not on your list? You know, you maybe use roadtrippers.com to look at other things in the area that, you know, you just didn't think you had time for. Or they're five, six hours away and it's a little uh, detour from what your plan is. But if you remain open and flexible in your thinking to a little spontaneity in your life, wonderful things can happen. And for us... That was experiencing Yellowstone National Park this past summer. It's time for our pit stop. And in this pit stop, I've got some news to share with you about the rest areas along the I-5 corridor between Everett, Washington and the Canadian border. The Washington State Department of Transportation is closing three rest areas that will affect RVers and travelers along this stretch of road. Specifically for our RVers, the Smoky Point rest area is one that we use a lot because it has a dump station, and that is on the list of closures. I interviewed Bart Treese of WashDOT, and he kindly shares with us what is going on and what the impacts will be. Thank you for joining us, Bart. 
Thank you for having me. I would be curious for the closures. I see that it's saying maintenance work and, and cleaning, but that a lot of it sounds like that just general road travelers have been taking advantage of rest areas and either staying too long or dumping trash and just not being kind to people. And we've had some folks who've extended their, their stay and their posted limits for people uh, at the rest areas. And, and most folks who are just traveling through, they use their rest areas for their intended purpose. They go, they stretch their legs, you know, they take a break from the road so they can, they can continue their travels well refreshed. But there are some that don't. And that, that causes a problem for other folks who, who rely on those rest areas. They're, we've had folks who've um, vandalized our buildings, damaged our, our restroom facilities, the toilets, the stalls, the, the, the sinks, um, left trash and garbage and, and waste. And, and that's just not good for everyone. That, that, and we, had, we clean that up. We have maintenance staff, rest area tenants who, who are there to service those buildings. And sometimes it becomes more than they just can clean up in one shift. And, and that's, that's a challenge for us. And it's, it's, it creates an issue for everyone else too. Personally, one of the, the probably of these three rest areas, uh, the Smoky Point one is the one that I am most interested in from my own personal, but also because that one has the RV dump station and we camp year round. And so um, I'm oftentimes going north from Everett up the I-5 corridor. And so hitting that dump station on the way home is something I've used frequently is there any plans? I mean, is that part of the shutdown or will that at least be open Then I can pull off the freeway, use the dump station and get back on the road? Or is it all part of the shutdown? And Well, that's something we're looking to try to open up at least so folks like yourself can use those dump stations. We know there are a lot of uh, recreational vehicle users who rely on those. Uh, so we just need to work on uh, fencing so people can access the dump station and do what they need to and move on rather than uh, enter the rest of the facility, which will be effectively shut down. So that's something that we're trying to work on. And as soon as we're able to uh, come up with those plans and, and gives people something to, to rely on, you know, we'll, we'll make sure we get the word out. on. In that press release, it says that the Silver Lake rest area here at milepost 188 and Everett um, is going to be closed and extended indefinitely. Does that mean it's never going to reopen again? It's, we don't know when the reopening date will be. So we know it's important for people to plan ahead on their trips. And so indefinitely means we're still trying to figure out when we can open it, but we can't make a, a commitment to reopen something uh, within a certain period of time when we just don't know if we're gonna have the crew and the resources available to make that happen. And if people wanted to follow along on those updates, what's the best way for them to get news? Follow you on Twitter or are we talking? You know? Following us on Twitter is always a great thing. If you've got social media, our wash.traffic account is one of the most popular out there. But we also have our, our rest area webpage on the wash.website. Also travel alerts. Travel alerts are a great tool for folks who are, are out uh, on the road so they know what's going on. Information is there in real time. So the rest area closures will be on the travel alerts, but also if there's information about any type of facilities that may be open, like the dump stations, we'll include those on the travel alerts also. Great. Uh, any last little bit of information to share with any sp RV specific travelers who are looking to travel up and down the I-5 corridor as far as anything else they might need to know? Just plan their trips in advance. To, uh, 
know what your resources are for your recreational vehicle, but also plan your brakes out on the road accordingly. There are great places to stop up and down the I-5 corridor in the local communities. So you might find something new that you haven't you know, discovered before. Um, and until then, we appreciate folks' patience while we step up and get our rest areas going again, uh, hopefully sometime next, early next year. Great. And then one final question that has nothing to do with rest areas. Where is your favorite place to camp in Washington State? Oh, good question. Thank you. Uh, you know, my favorite place to camp, uh, Menash Tash Ridge. Okay. My dad and I used to go there when I was a kid and we'd go out and fish and hunt and yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, Bart, thank you so much for your time and taking the time out of your busy schedule today to chat with me here at RV Out West. I really appreciate it. Thank Good you. Good talking with you. Take care, Brooks. Yeah. Thanks. In our next episode in two weeks, we will be chatting with Jason and Abby of RV Miles to discuss how to boondock, and we dig into tips and tricks of how they locate boondocking spots on their travels. Which for me, as someone who hasn't done much boondocking and is looking to get into it, it has proven to be very difficult for me to figure out how to find sites, especially here in Washington State. I'm excited to talk to them and to share their knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening, and I honestly mean that. So on that note, get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon. Thanks so much for listening to RV Out West. Join us again in two weeks with our next episode. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And I sure would appreciate if you left a rating or a review of the show. Special thanks to Scott Holmes Music for providing the intro song, We Are One. RV Out West can be found on Instagram and Facebook where you can interact with us and follow along on our RV adventures around the Pacific Northwest. So get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon.